Dusty, what's the one book you can always find in our car when we're on a trip? Honestly, Mike, it is usually a Moon travel guide. That's right. Moon is our favorite travel guidebook publisher because not only are they a source for ethical travel and the best ways to get away, but their books also are packed full of information on everything from sites to see, trails to hike, restaurants, and lodging, all from real authors who are local to the areas they're writing about. That's right. And we're so excited that this year we are again partnering with Moon Travel Guides. Ready to cross something off your travel bucket list in 2024? Have a lot of great ideas for trips, but don't know how to get started or keep your itinerary organized? Wherever your wanderings might take you or inspire you to go, Moon Travel has you covered. Moon Travel is the travel guidebook publisher for ethical travel. Don't spend months trying to craft the perfect getaway when you can do it all with Moon. Whether you're headed abroad, planning to take to the open road, or want to wander the trails of a national park, make sure to pack a Moon Travel Guide with you. Through the end of 2024, our listeners can get 20% off any Moon Travel Guide when they use the code GAZE20 at checkout. That's amazing. And that is code GAZE24, G-A-Z-E-2-4 for 20% off any Moon travel guide in Moon's entire library. And that is just for our listeners, and you cannot find that anywhere else. Be sure to visit Moon.com. Head to our show notes and check it out and see Moon's entire collection of travel guidebooks. While I was driving down here to your place, mm-hmm. something happened. Listen, it's okay. We all fart in the car. <laughs> <laughs> no, that certainly happened multiple times. Yeah. But while I was driving down, when I have to drive down to your place, I take a road that goes through a lot of woods. Yeah. And I've seen tons of birds in these woods mm-hmm. all the time. For those who may not know, I did finally just embrace the fact that I'm a birder and went for it. You've so leaned into it. I've leaned and I've in. also, I've helped along with that. Happen. You have. You have. I've, um, I've allowed it to come to life you have, <laughs> in a big way. In a way, enabled it. Uh-huh. Yes, I have enabled. It's That's true. the word I was looking through, for. Thank you. Through some beautiful birthday gifts, mm-hmm. which included the official birding journal mm-hmm. and also some binoculars. Some and some birding, birding flashcards. And, right. So you could learn your birds. So I've been doing that. Mm-hmm. Right been identifying the birds in my neighborhood every day Mm -hmm. and I love it. I go out for my little lunch break during work and I walk around and I little lunch break. (laughs) My little lunch break and I identify birds and that's what I do. Mm -hmm. But on the drive down this gigantic bird flew right in front of my car and I could tell I was like oh it's got that little arrowed out like tail feather. Mm -hmm. I think this could be some kind of eagle. And it also had really long legs. Mm -hmm. And I was like I'm pretty sure this is some kind of eagle. Yeah. It's like there's a ton of turkey vultures around here mm-hmm. that are really big too. They are gigantic. They're huge. And scary. And <laughs> scary. And like they... Raptors. Are easily mistaken for eagles, but yeah. they're not eagles. No. This thing flew in front of my car, was also headed in the same direction, and then it flew off and landed on a branch like right on the side of the road. And I turned and looked. Bald eagle. There you go. Bald eagle. First week as a birder seeing a bald <laughs> eagle. That's pretty cool. It is cool. You Yesterday, you, we saw a ton of birds, though. We saw we a saw, ton of birds. We got our mallards, the Mr. and Mrs. Mallard. We got some European starlings. Mm-hmm. We definitely got we saw, pigeons. Like, we did see a black swan or a black goose of some I sort. I think, and flying above us. Yeah. Yes. I mean, we and we also saw a ton of pigeon. We did. Yeah. The common pigeon. The common And, and yeah. seagull. And the laughing gulls, yes. The laughing gulls. Yes, or seagulls, Mm -hmm. as, you know, that's what they're Mm -hmm. referred to mostly. Right. But yes. But you also are quite good at the identification, but not of birds. No, I'm, I lean into my plant, you know, based life. You are. I, um, that is something that I would like to, um, be even better at because I tend to landscape a lot and move a lot of my plants around at my house because, you know, sometimes something doesn't work. My friend's mom said, all your plants have suitcases because you move them so often. <laughs> it's true, though. It's true. Like, anytime you're working in your yard, mm-hmm. you're like, I'm moving these over here, and I'm moving these over, and I'm like, oh, I mean, okay. Great. You know what? The amount of time I've moved things, and I'm in, a, like, a pretty good spot right now, nothing's really... I've lost, like, maybe one or two plants in the eight years that I've been planting things and in, in my And, you yard. know, the 17,000 times you've moved things. Right, exactly. Right, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty good ratio. Yeah, but I do feel like, you know, there is a lot to be learned out there in the natural world and we were so incredibly fortunate to get some identifying practice in when we were hiking in in glacier
looking for adventure I want to follow on the trail Or get a little lost and let the wind fill my sails Get up when the stars still fill the sky Don't wake the sun, there's so much to be done And the day has just begun Go where the postcards are real You can feel, you can open your eyes And open your heart when you gaze At the National Park At the National Park At the National Park Follow you, I'll follow you We would like to acknowledge while hiking in the land, also known as Glacier National Park, that we are on the traditional and stolen lands of the Blackfeet and Tanaka people. The way that we had come into today was to do a billion things. <laughs> it was our plan to be real kooky about what we were going to get done. Well, I don't know that our plan was to do a million things. We did know we had this epic hike planned mm-hmm. with Becky Lomax, mm-hmm. but we had some time on our hands, which is why we did the Hidden Lake Trail. Right. But that ended up being like a billion things, I feel like. Oh, like stacking our day to the brim. It did. Yeah. But I'm saying I think we had gotten information that morning that like, oh, we're going to be there at this time. Yeah. So that gave us some extra it time. It gave us morning. some extra time. So right. then that meant we ended up stacking. We did. Like a Peloton workout. <laughs> we did. Right. We used we the stack feature. go into Peloton. is not an official sponsor. <laughs> I don't think they need like, no. I don't think they need uh, any, uh, uh. any help. So um, basically, we were able to do Hidden Lake because Becky and her friend Cynthia, who we were going to meet, were driving in from West Glacier, Kalispell area, and it was going to take them some time to get in in the morning. Initially, our plan was to hike Avalanche Lake and Trail of Cedars with Becky, but because of our flat tire incident, that needed to be changed. That plan was scrapped because Becky was like, oh, you should do this instead if you're coming in you know, and you want something small to do that day. Yeah. And she's like, I actually have a better hike for us and we'll do it together on this day. Yes. And we're like, okay, great. And so we had prepared for that. And apparently this was one of Becky's favorite day hikes to do. Yes. So after getting out of the madness that was Logan Pass and its parking lot, we were going to... was not the craziest when we came in. No. But as we were leaving, no. it had turned into the nonsense that this was. <laughs> right. We basically had to drive down to essentially St. Mary Lake to meet Becky and her friend Cynthia, which is very close to the east entrance of going to the Sun Road, basically right where we were staying. So the hike that we were doing is considered what you call a point-to-point hike, meaning it's not a loop and it's not a there and back. We were starting in one place and ending in another. Right. In order to be able to do and see all the things we wanted to see, that ended up being the best case. Yeah. Becky had mentioned that it's really great to to do this, especially when you have two cars. Right. So we were meeting them at the ending point. Yes. They were leaving their car and then getting in our car. And then we were driving to the starting point yeah. where we were going to park. Right. And we'd previously done a point to point hike in Haleakala, essentially the Sliding Sands Trail. In order to do that trail, you essentially park at the bottom of the trail and then you need to hitchhike up to the summit. And unfortunately, in our hitchhiking experiences in national parks, we are 0 for 2. (laughs) 0 for 2. So, but... Funny enough, we got to meet the lovely Casey and Carrie, who are were from New York. They were East Coasters as well. And also the only other 17 printmakers, you know, only other two out of 17 printmakers in the entire world. Right. Right. Because Mike majored in printmaking in college. Mm-hmm. And there have only been 17 other people who've majored in printmaking <laughs> right. in college. Mm-hmm. And so we are the Illuminati. We're both <laughs> printmakers, yeah. which was pretty cool. Yeah. And yes, they all knew each other. Yeah, we did. I mean, essentially, essentially, you knew the same. It was circles. like weird circles. Yeah. So we had already, you know, in our time in Glacier met Becky's friend Lou and her niece KT. So we were excited to meet Cynthia who it's someone that Becky hikes with fairly regularly. We were able to pull up and find a spot right behind Becky and Cynthia when we were pulling up to St. Mary's Lake. It was so great to see Becky again, and it was so fantastic to meet Cynthia. They got in the car, and then we got on the road to 
go to the parking spot at the beginning point. Right. So we had to move that car to the second point of the trek, which typically when the shuttle was running at full capacity, this is what Becky told us, you would be able to shuttle essentially between these two locations. But the summer that we were there, that shuttle was only running to limited stops. So these stops were closed at the time. It was going the entire length of the Sun Road from one entrance to another. But it wasn't doing all of the stops in between. Yeah. So this is something if you're interested in doing this hike, you don't have two cars. It's something to definitely look into because you could park at one spot and get the shuttle back or you could just shuttle between both spots and not involve your car at all. Or hitchhike if you you want to try it. Yeah. We, you know what our track record is. The shuttle is probably a great option when it's running because it was a little bit of a squeaker to try to find parking. Not where we parked the car at the end or where we picked up Becky and Cynthia from at Sunrift Gorge, but at Pegan Pass, it was little bit trickier to park because it's on a curve there. It's on a hairpin turn. Yeah, it's not So <laughs> I would have been fine driving this. Sure. Here at this spot. Really, probably I would have been fine driving anything Logan Pass to the east entrance. It yeah, was okay. a little bit easier. <laughs> but yes, we met Becky and Cynthia and picked them up at Sunrift Gorge. And then they got in the car and then we drove up to the uh, trailhead for Pegan Pass. Mm-hmm. This is at the Hairpin Turn where we had to find parking. After we were able to get a spot, we geared up and made sure we had everything we needed because we weren't coming back to the car at all. This was going to be until we were driven back at the end, basically. And we crossed the road and headed up onto the trail. The trail sort of starts at like a river. Um, it you're does. Right it there, starts at the at edge a of a creek. Yeah. That's right. And it was this gorgeous, beautiful rushing water. Yeah. You could hear the sounds of the rushing water. It was lush green right here. Right. So the brown sign at the start of the trail says Pegan Pass. Mm-hmm. And this first section of this trail is called the Sayi Bend. And it is 1.1 miles. It's a little bit of uphill, but it's essentially taking you up the hill. Up along a, the river. Along this the creek. creek yeah. To connect you with another trail. Right. You sort of like kind of like it's up and then you kind of cut back. And then you kind of, it's kind of like an S-curve, essentially. Yes, to the right. Yeah. While we're walking along, the the growth to the sides was lower. Yeah. And at the highest point was maybe like up to our hips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On either side. Yeah, but lush and green. Lush, green, uh, some wild flowers on the sides. Mm -hmm. But there were also a lot of dead trees that were coming up above the growth. And these were like, not like, oh, this tree recently died. There's still needles on it. It was like, this tree has been dead for a while. It was like kind of a ghost tree. A beautiful start to a trail. Yeah, oh yeah. It's pretty early in the morning, even though we started technically later, because it was probably around nine o'clock at this point um, when we actually got on the trail. There's a decent amount of folks right there at the start of the trailhead, but it quickly thins out as you go up through Sayu Bend. It honestly, for the rest of the trail, the entire time we're on this, I think we saw like what, like maybe 15 to 20 people in total. Like the entire, yeah, the rest, entire of the rest of the way. Yeah, um, it's true. It was really spaced out. A lot of the sections of this trail that we're doing on this day are often done as there and back trails. Mm-hmm. Or perhaps done like through trails on a through hike one point way over to some other point. Right. Yeah. So technically we could have parked at Pegan Pass and done everything that we're about to do and added a little bit more to make it a loop. That Mm -hmm. would have been very long and very epic. But starting from Pegan Pass making our way all the way up to Sayi Pass and then down back to going to the Sun Road is going to take us three episodes. Yeah, because a lot happened and a lot more than we expected in the time because this is a pretty epic sort of trail. There is a lot to take in, even just in this first part that we're doing. There's definitely the middle episode is going to give us something very special that... Very special and unexpected. And unexpected. So there's our teaser for that. Yes. (laughs) So stay tuned. As we start to like go up away from the river, you do this pretty quickly and you head up into some elevation into the woods. Once you're past the undergrowth and the dead trees, you kind of get right into the woods and this is where elevation starts to happen pretty quick. 
yeah. you're gaining pretty quickly. And there are a lot more dead trees in this area along with living trees. And I questioned Becky about that because it's clear it isn't fire. And we talk about two potentials for the dieback that's here. One of those is bark beetles, which you can hear all about in our trail mix titled Bark Beetles from this season. And the other, which you told us, is temperature fluctuations. So here's the science as it was explained to us. Essentially in the winter, when trees go into hibernation mode, they draw a lot of their moisture and sap inward and sort of close off their capillaries to protect them from frigid temperatures. And when there's a warm series of days or a warm wind that comes into the valley or wherever these trees are, the trees are like signaled, oh, spring is here. Let's release things back out <laughs> into the rest of the like the tree. Like I'm ready to like come out of hibernation mode. Essentially what happens is then that warmth is really sort of like a false warmth in the northeastern part of the country we refer to it as a false spring um and (laughs) no we call it full spring full spring and essentially the temps will usually dive again and cause the trees to go into shock or in some cases explode because of it and then they die global warming (laughs) right (laughs) welcome to the house of doom (laughs) favorite thing to talk about (laughs) yes the doom Uh uh-huh it's true so I wasn't privy to this conversation because you were chatting with Becky. Right. Gosh, this is my favorite thing about trails and hiking with other people Mm -hmm. is that you end up in different conversations at different times and things just flow. Right. They just end, you know, there's no sort of like, I've spoken with you for a while. I'm going to go talk to the, like, it's not about that. Yeah, no, it's just how you end up hiking. It's just how it happens. And I love it. Mm -hmm. And it's like how kind of nature intends, Mm -hmm. right? So you were chatting with Becky at this time. I was chatting with Cynthia. Mm -hmm. Cynthia and I immediately connected. We're having such a great chat. I was telling her about my work in the theater and how I was working, uh, you know, also looking in other industries at the time. And she was telling me that she has a background in dance and how she also is working in real estate, how she came to... Montana or this area of Montana and how she ended up meeting Becky and how they are now like outdoor. I mean, they're friends. Yeah. And they hike all the time. Yeah. Right. This was another moment of just instant family. Mm -hmm. I loved meeting everybody connected to Becky Lomax because when Becky had stepped away, there was a moment where everybody came up to us and they were like, you know, she's the kindest, uh-huh. sweetest, oh, yeah. most wonderful person. And that was only reinforced like every day. Every or day. Every time and we, we were, were like, we that's what we thought too. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We yeah. agree. Yeah. We agree. Yeah. So, yeah. That's exactly what we felt. Oh, always. yeah. Uh-huh. And we felt that that was true of all of all of her friends oh, of as well. Course. So Cynthia, instant family. Yeah. We had such a blast hiking with Becky and Cynthia yeah. last day. We encourage everybody. Some people love solo hiking, and that's great. But also hiking with others. Yeah, it's just where meeting it's at. people on the trail too. And also, just meeting people on the trail. Trail friends. Trail friends. We are kind of as we continue to hike up here. It sort of starts to get warm. This whole trek is sort of a gigantic. Like, do I keep this jacket on? Do I take it off? Oh, it's cold again. I have to put it back on because oh, yeah. it was an overcast day, and it was. There were points where it was really, really really cold. I think you had learned your lesson from the day before about your tights and throwing Oh, I had worn... <laughs> no, I was not wearing tights. Oh, that's right. You I'm weren't still wearing not wearing tights. tights that's right. I had not had them on. That's right. For Hidden Lake. Right. Because I left them at camp. Right. Right. So because I, I rushed them. you out. <laughs> right. Um, Things we, I don't remember. Yeah. But okay. We do end up hiking through and over a bunch of different streams. There's a ton of stream crossings as we're gaining this elevation. What I loved about not just hiking in general with Becky and Cynthia, but what I really truly treasured was the fact that we were privy members to the Becky Lomax Wilderness School. The both of us, I think, ate this up like oh, you wouldn't believe. so much. Um, yes. She is, Becky is incredibly humble about this. Like, please tell me to stop if you don't want to hear any of this. But we were just literally soaking it all in. And she has such an intense knowledge base about everything in the park. And she was also like the plant identifier that I just dreamed to become one day. <laughs> because she could point at this and be like, this is this. And this, you can use this. Or don't eat that. Like, it was, you know... Her knowledge comes from obviously living and breathing Glacier, but also guiding in the park and in the region for so much of her life. And it is incredible. And it was 
it was truly a beautiful thing to be able to have that. You don't get that all the time on the trail unless you're well-versed in the plants and ecology and the wildlife of the area. That's right. Mm -hmm. I was definitely eating it up. Mm -hmm. We had taken the 1.1 miles of Sayi Bend up to our first intersection and turned left. This part of the trail, which had been through the woods, crossing streams, seeing other trees that had fallen down. It was a lot of like forest along the side of a hill. Mm -hmm. Then suddenly it would open up and there would be fields on the side Mm -hmm. and then there would be forest again. And there were always some amount of flowers along the edge of the trail. This was ultimately taking us to another intersection. Another juncture of what would be Sai Pass and Pigan Pass. Yes, where we could either choose to continue toward Pigan Pass or where we could choose to head toward Sai Pass, which would be another two miles up to Sai Pass. And in this juncture, we headed right. And with that, let's take our first break. All right, so we're playing a new game called Love, Hate, Tolerate. Mm-hmm. First of all, I just want to say this. Um, I have a bit of a, a trigger when it comes to the word tolerance, because I feel like in the 90s, especially regarding queer people, mm-hmm. there was like, we have to teach tolerance. And it's like, no, we have to teach acceptance, honey. Right. Like, tolerance is not what we're here for. We're not here for like saying like to ourselves like I don't really like this and I don't think this is okay but I'm just gonna let it happen Mm -hmm. that's tolerance no get out of here no no people are people we accept them right Mm -hmm. so love hate tolerate is a game that is not about people that is about um themes events things that um because all people all people deserve acceptance obviously so we're playing love hate tolerate I would like to start with Condiments. Love, hate, tolerate condiments. Oh, love, hate, tolerate condiments. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well. <laughs> okay. I, I mean, love you love mayonnaise. all condiments. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do. I, I am an equal opportunity eater of condiments, so this will be a hard one for me. Okay. Um, I love mayonnaise. I hate... You know what? I love pickles, but I hate relish. Like, there's no room in my life for relish. Okay. You're nonsense. Get out of here. Okay, great. And then and what do you tolerate? I tolerate... God, this is so hard for me because I really, you know, even relish was sort of like, I kind of like relish. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just making it up now. Um, and But it's like on the lowest part of my totem pole for, you know, me. Um, and I tolerate creamy peanut butter. <laughs> Oh, interesting. It's really not a condiment, but here's the thing. If I'm going to do peanut butter, it's going to be crunchy. And like, I'll tolerate it. You know this from hiking together. Yeah. Like a creamy peanut butter. Okay. (laughs) Right. I have to say, I... Also, let's put peanut butter, mayonnaise, and relish together and see what happens. I'm out. I'm out. (laughs) Goodbye. You're across state lines. You're across state lines at this point. You know what it is? I've talked about this before. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't love chaotic food. Chaotic food to me is like, no, I'm out. If I can't figure out what it is and what's in it, like I'm gone, Mm -hmm. right? And I find crunchy peanut butter to be chaotic for me because I'm like, for me, I feel like peanut butter is creamy peanut butter. And then crunchy is like this. Crunchy was created for people who were handed peanut butter sandwiches and they were like, well, there are peanuts in it. Shouldn't there be some, you know, pieces of peanuts around? <laughs> like, that's what I feel like crunchy right. peanut butter was made right. for. was for people who sure. were like, oh, well, I want to crunch in my peanut butter. Yeah. And I'm like, well, then just go eat a bag of peanuts. Like, well, that's I think my, my, feeling my solution it. there is if it's going to be creamy peanut butter, then I want some cheddar goldfish and I'm going to put that on the sandwich. Okay, too. well, do you, because girl, girl? Because that is if very If you've never good. done that. It's great. Great. Put potato chips on a sandwich. <laughs> right. So, okay. So condiments, love, hate, tolerate. Uh, I'll start with the hate. I mean, I could list many, but yeah. we're going to start with just... I would like a plain hamburger <laughs> with nothing on it, just the bun. I'm that not going to say that's um, how I eat with Dusty when we go out. <laughs> okay. First of all, I... <laughs> Um, I don't have that tone when I order when I order things. I don't know. I'm going to film you the next. Sorry time. about it. I don't. Okay. All right. I am. Dr- I am the most dramatic. But sorry, no, I'm not mm. that way. Mm-hmm. I'm only that way with you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's how he orders me when I make hamburgers <laughs> at home. So, so I hate mayonnaise. Like straight up mayonnaise. Yeah, girl, I'm out. 
I'm out. I you've had um, some exposure therapy though. Through I have potato salad and I will, coleslaw that I make. I will tolerate aioli. Okay. If there's some kind of like spiced aioli, spiced aioli that has like been made and put on a sandwich that I'm like, okay, that it's, it's fine. It tastes good. Right. I do love ketchup. Mm-hmm. I don't eat ketchup all the time, but, and I eat it very specifically. I'll eat it with French fries and I will eat it on a hot dog, but I have to, when I put it on a hot dog, like you'll see it. I have to say, I think the, the cruelest thing one can do is assume how people will put ketchup on a hot dog let people do that for themselves when people put ketchup like down the sides between like the hot dog and the bun so that it just soaks into the bread get out of here Mm. what is wrong with you that's monster Mm. behavior (laughs) i'm out no this game is called idiosyncrasies (laughs) (laughs) i like a hot dog where it's like squiggled in a squiggly design artisanal artisanal <laughs> design down the hot dog that's my favorite kind of way to eat ketchup on a hot dog and yeah it's going to touch the side of the bun but like putting it like i don't the idea of like bread dipped in ketchup uh no thank you no thank you and that's love hate tolerate so here we are on the trail we have taken the saigi bend for 1.1 miles and then we've turned left. And we are on the trail for 1.5 miles, headed toward what will eventually be a fork that we could either choose to go further toward Pegan Pass or to the right toward Saigi Pass. So we're on this 1.5 mile stretch. Mm-hmm. So we definitely cross another creek and we get into more of a meadowy area with more open areas and less trees on either side of the trail. We're definitely a little bit more grouped at this point and less in our like hiking pods that like Becky and I were in and you and Cynthia were in. We're sort of like all together. Becky does mention this app called Peak Finder, which we thought was really cool. She was like, listen, if you're going to the Tetons and into Yellowstone, it would be great to have this. And it's sort of like the astronomy app where you're able to point your phone at the sky and it'll tell you like, oh, this constellation here's this star here's this planet it's like you can hold this up it'll geolocate you and be like this is this peak so that was really neat this gives us a little bit of an opportunity for a short water break and more wilderness school education we take a moment and we talk about the grizzly bear attack that had happened in montana that week which um you know sent our both of our mothers into <laughs> to see uh but there <laughs> didn't your mom call about that I thought yeah, she did. Yeah, we because, talked about it. Because um, yep. separately, you could hear both of us on the phone. When we had service, it was like mom, m- moms would call and separately in two different conversations. It was like, yeah, that happened in the southeast part of, or the southern part of the state. Yeah. It's really far away from us. Yeah. Yes, there are grizzly bears. No, <laughs> it didn't happen around here. Yes, we're aware. Yeah. Because unfortunately, a woman had left her food out in her tent. And then moved and then it back moved into, it into her, car. her car. But, but the, the smell, smell was still in her tent. Grizzly bear ripped into her tent and ended her life, which was really tragic. Um, But it's something that can happen. It is something that can happen. Yes. But really, the theme for this entire hike this day with Becky and Cynthia was about wildflowers and identifying wildflowers Mm -hmm. along the way. Yeah, and we were tested several times along the trail. Oh, and I loved it. It was like, oh, okay. It really did feel like on the spot. But um, we talk about glacier glacier lilies which are edible the actual flower is edible not the bulb but the grizzly bears do dig for the bulbs they're an early source of food for them when they come out of hibernation so there's definitely a photo of all of us trying glacier lilies this also piques our interest on things that you could eat on the trail if you were in a real bind and it also added to our i feel like our wilderness survival learnings um as we kind of went along absolutely yeah We continue a little further up and then we run into the first group of people that we see on this Pegan Pass trail. And it's like a giant group of like, I would say it was like eight women that were hiking. Yes. Um, Oh, didn't one of, they knew. They knew Becky. They knew Becky and they knew Cynthia. One of them. One of them knew Cynthia. One of them knew Cynthia. But it definitely felt like Becky was sort of like (laughs) the mayor of the town. Like, oh, hi, it's so good to see you. Like, you know, just like from living in the area for so long. I can't remember if those folks were through hiking or not, but it looked like they had bigger packs on. Oh, no, I think they were just. Yeah, it was just a day hike. It was day hiking. Yeah. Yeah. You know, after we chat and hit that juncture, we 
just assess where we're at. And apparently, looking at it again months out, Pegan Pass would actually basically take you right up to Grinnell Glacier. Um, yes. That's essentially the terminal point for and it. And it would... Link us up, basically. It would connect to that area we were hiking in. In many in glaciers. Glacier. Yep. So it's like a total connecting trail yep. there. Yeah. It's long. It's like 11... I think it's nine more miles from this juncture <laughs> yeah. to get to... Sure. Uh, Grinnell. Grinnell. Yeah. But it, I want to do that next time. That would yeah. be so That would be fun. real cool. That would be real cool. Yeah. But we were not headed that way. So we were going to head to Sae Pass at the trail juncture. So instead of going straight or what would be left, continuing on this trail, we hooked a right. And that was our take onto the, the trail that we were headed on for basically the rest of the day. Right. Yeah. We were now headed towards Sae Pass. Mm-hmm. This area soon becomes like a much larger valley area. We're mm-hmm. still moving. I would say like all of this section of the trail was slightly uphill. Mm-hmm. It's not as bad though. Feasible, once, once you get to this juncture, uphill. it becomes like a very, like not a lot of elevation gain. It's no. less elevation gain. Less here. elevation yeah. gain, relatively flat, mm-hmm. which was nice. Yeah. It was a little bit of a reprieve because right. we did have some big elevation at the beginning and we were headed towards some larger elevation right. gain. Yeah. Now, Becky had mentioned that we were doing these specific trail connections on this day because it was the easier way to do it. Mm-hmm. Because had we done it in reverse, oh god, the um <laughs> the incline would have been like twenty five times as worse, mm-hmm. and we would soon figure that out. <laughs> we would soon figure that out. Yeah. So as we were walking through this open, this more open area mm-hmm. on this one point five miles, mm-hmm. right? Which this one point five miles felt very quick, mm-hmm. mostly yeah. because it was flat. Yeah. But we were going through lots of... It w- It felt more open than it felt closed. Yes. We were walking through, seeing some, like, gorgeous... You know, the sun is pouring in on these, like, beautiful uh, meadows to the right and left. Little, little ponds that are there. Oh, yeah. it was just perfect. Yeah. And it's, like, warming up a little bit yeah. at this time. A little bit. And, uh, and then, like, there would be taller trees and there would be some shade and whatnot yeah. and... That's what the section really was. More That's open than like. more open than like forested, but you do hit some foresty areas on this section. There's patches of There's forest. There's patches. And so we get to this patchy tree area or this tree filled area of this trail. And Becky and Cynthia were like, so this is a great bathroom stop because for the entire rest of our hiking day, there really isn't a spot that's going to give us any sort of cover to use the restroom. This was sort of like a great stopping point. So, you know, a lot of things were talked about here, including just a little bit of bear awareness. So, you know, shouting out, hey, bear, or, you know, as you're going into the trees a little bit to make use of nature, you know, making sure you're making your presence very well known. And that's something that Becky was periodically shouting anyway when we were into foresty areas. Hey, bear, like pretty loudly, just to give that, notification that we're there. The other reason why is because we started seeing some bear holes. Right. Some holes where bears had been digging in the ground for something. Yeah, could have been bulbs. Bulbs, a burrowed animal, who knows. We also talked about bear bells with them and how it's sort of like, you know, the illusion of safety. Yeah. But they're not loud enough to like really let a bear know that you're there. So just use your voice. Yeah. Yeah. Sing out Louise. Right. And yeah. unless use you're, you know, voice. unless you're, you know, dressed as um, Bert from Mary Poppins with his band outfit. <laughs> right. Exactly. You're not going to scare any bears away. <laughs> right. Right. We do take a restroom break in this forested area. And then finally we arrive at this creek. Mm-hmm. And the creek, Becky tells us, is going to be a great sort of spot to have a snack, not lunch. Yeah. Lunch is coming later. Yeah. This is a great place to sit and snack for a minute and recharge because we're about to enter some incline in a yeah, minute. Yeah. We did have to walk across this creek. This is the most sort of rushing. And wide. And wide creek that we had seen. It wasn't rushing in the way that like felt unsafe, but it was definitely. But it was moving. It was moving. Yeah. There was water. Yeah. You know, you couldn't like raft in it or anything like that. It was water moving over boulders. Yeah. So. It was a lot of something to remember when you're stepping on rocks that are in, you know, a water thoroughfare. 
right? This is a great place where you can use your hiking poles mm-hmm. to test a rock before you step on it. Yeah. Because what you don't want is to put your weight on a rock and have the rock slide from under you. Slide from under yeah. you. And then now you're sliding down mm-hmm. the creek and now you've hurt yourself. Or you're just wet and cold. Right. So, and if you don't find one, then walk back and try another way, mm-hmm. right? But yeah. this is sort of where the bouldering mindset comes in for me. Like mm-hmm. when we would boulder in, when a we would do gym. indoor climbing at mm-hmm. the climbing gym. Bouldering means there's no rope and it's more about just solving a problem. Mm-hmm. You want to get from point A to point B using only certain holds. This is where that mindset really applies for me, is especially crossing this kind of thoroughfare. Because mm-hmm. it's like, you want to make sure that you have enough coverage for your feet to get across, and you want to make sure that you test them. This is a beautiful view yeah. from where we are. It's, we you can know, see peaks on all the mm-hmm. sides. You can see Pegan Mountain and you know where Pegan Glacier like is tucked in. You are also, at this point, sort of nestled between Mount Sai and Matapahi Peak. So those kind of like frame the valley for you, which is beautiful. After we cross that stream, we take a seat on the other side, a little further up from the trail, and snack a bit. This is where it gets very cold again, because the wind comes off the water and it's sort of rushing down the stream. So it's like definitely always layer on a hike. That is like one of the biggest lessons that I've learned or at least have the available option to layer or de-layer because you never know what the weather's going to bring, especially when you're hiking at this elevation too. So yeah, after sitting for just a bit and snacking and taking our first real break, we continue up along this trail a bit more in some relative flatness. At the very beginning of this next leg of the trail, because now it's relative flatness and it's total openness. Mm -hmm. There's no more woods around. Mm -hmm. We are literally about to, because we can see them, there are switchbacks up ahead. Mm -hmm. We can see that they're coming and we're hiking up literally like the face of the side of a mountain. Right. We do see a lot more wildflowers in bloom as we're walking just in these wide open spaces. And it's a definite contrast to the first part of the trail, which is mostly woods. And this is sort of where Dusty and I flip-flop and I end up hiking with Cynthia for a little bit. And you end up hiking with Becky. And I get a chance to talk to Cynthia about, because she is not only someone involved in theater, but someone involved in art. And she was a watercolor artist. So we got to talk about that, which was really, really great. And I think you guys were talking about wildflowers because we were hunting for a Jones Columbine. That was something that Becky was really interested in trying to see. She had given us an assignment. Mm -hmm. to to keep on the lookout Mm -hmm. for a Jones Columbine, right? right? What we were learning a lot, what I took away from this day, is that alpine flowers are very specific in in that there are often alpine versions of flowers we've seen before. Whereas like a lily or something might grow really big when it's like subalpine subalpine or down closer to you know ground the ground or sea level a version of that flower can grow in in an alpine environment but it'll be much smaller Mm -hmm. and so we were seeing a lot of that yeah as we continue to hike we you know see to our left that there are these two lakes which becky told us were unnamed they're not named on the maps either so and they're sort of at the base of mount saihi and then we see what appears to be a pile of gravel Um, to our right. And it turns out that that pile of gravel, sort of what we're going to be switchbacking our way up. And with that, let's take our second break. This name is inspired by literally this moment on the trail, this flower that Becky introduced me to. We were looking at them and I was like, what is this flower? And she said, it is a Thades and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage. Silky Facilia. <laughs> Silky Facilia. Mm-hmm. So I she goes, Isn't that a great name? And I was like, sounds like a drag name. And she was familiar with our show mm-hmm. and she was like, oh, You have to have this in drag corner at some point. We were I was like, Oh, it's there. It's happening. <laughs> and here we so are. We've been saving it. We've been saving it, Silky mm-hmm. Facilia. Mm-hmm. So the silky facilia plant is purple mm-hmm. and it can easily be maybe confused for other purple plants. We There were quite a few purples yes. like along this yeah. trail all day, but silky facilia 
is sort of cone-shaped. Mm-hmm. It has these long sort of, what are those, stamen that yeah. come out of the center? Yep. And they have like little yellow tips mm-hmm. and then have a five-part petal that mm. comes out of the center with so like a, a comp- lighter purple. She's a complimentary color queen. She got her oh, yellow and her yellow purple. yellow and purple. Mm-hmm. There you go. There you go. Mm-hmm. Silky facilia. She loves the Vikings, the Minnesota Vikings, and the Lakers because those are the colors. Or LSU. <laughs> or LSU. Or LSU. There you go. Right. She's a sports team queen. <laughs> now, I'm pretty sure Silky Facilia wasn't the flower that you could like touch and smell and it had that really cool smell. That was something else. Becky would be able to tell us. I don't mm-hmm. remember which one mm-hmm. that was, but there was a... Well, there were chives. There were wild chives on the trail. I, oh, and that's I ate right. one of those. You did. Yeah. There was another yeah. one where like the smell was so cool. Yeah. Anyway, but Silky Facilia was beautiful. Mm-hmm. I feel like Silky Facilia is like a noir queen. She's oh. like, you know, oh. come over here, big boy. <laughs> oh, I see. Oh, okay. So she's like a 1940s she's like a, transatlantic oh, dialect yeah. queen. She's like living in a lounge life. See, I feel like she's in black and white, except mm-hmm. you know how they sometimes have black and white with one color, sure. but the one color is purple. Mm-hmm. It's I very like, like prominent and important. Whenever prominent you see the purple. Prominent and important. That's right. Like, Ooh, this means something. That's Symbolism. right. <laughs> she, um, right. I feel like her merch is like, well, I feel like purple silk has to be involved mm-hmm. somehow but I do feel like she might have like seeds that you can plant flowers I also feel and... like she's like a, a perfume like that she hawks oh mm-hmm. oh so she's a mm-hmm. she's a fragrance she's a fragrance she's queen. a fragrance line yeah Mm-hmm. I see. Okay, so she's got a fragrance line, mm-hmm. and she's making that happen. Yeah. Oh, I like it. Mm-hmm. I'm into this. Yeah. I'm into this idea. What will she lip sync? I feel like um, it has to be some 1940s period song, mm. or like in the style of, maybe she sings live. I think she's a lounge singer. Okay. Okay, great. She sings something. Some Ella Fitzgerald, maybe. Um, no, what I think she does is she sort of does like a big band cover of Ain't No Mountain High Enough. Okay. That's like what a, I think she does. Like a jazzier? Like, like a jazzier. Slow jazzy? No, no, no. Oh. Big band is like... Fast, upbeat. Like a... Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like an all that jazz. <laughs> but the end of that song. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah not yeah, the beginning yeah, of yeah, that. Yeah. I mean, it might start slow, mm-hmm. but it... Right. But it builds because mm-hmm. it's a big band number. That's mm-hmm. like meant to get people dancing yeah. swing dancing yeah. perhaps yeah so yeah i feel like she does that mm-hmm. and she's got fragrance <laughs> that's sort of you know a la the smell of mm-hmm. silky facilia. i feel like there's a very like um floofy boa involved in her act too yeah, yeah and i think the floofy boa is probably the shape of what the flower looks oh, like i like that into that right sure I like that. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Or maybe she's got one of those. I I always loved those like winter hats that are mm-hmm. like like just a giant floof on the hat. Oh yeah. But it's the it's this it's the cone the, of the flower. The cone of the flower. It's, oh, that's what it's made costuming. to look like. Look at you. Con- I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Ta-da. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage, Silky Facilia. So here we are now, looking at this pile of gravel to the right going like okay we have to go up this Mm -hmm. you are hiking with cynthia i'm hiking with becky and becky had said y'all go on ahead i'm gonna be slow and i was like uh hi i'm slow too (laughs) so i'm with you yeah we were going at exactly the same pace and Mm -hmm. it was great because i was like i'm not interested in going fast yeah and Cynthia and I were like just up the hill. Scoot, scoot. Boop, but boop, I was boop, definitely like, oh God, all. I had like a little PTSD moment from the overlook. Because <laughs> it was a very similar sort of like, here's this gravel pile. That's where you have to go. But yeah. you know what? Switchbacks, folks. That's where and it's at. <laughs> what was true, I felt, of these switchbacks was that these were only kept up by people's feet. Yeah. This isn't like wide Mm-mm. trail switchbacks. These are just like almost desire path sure. switchbacks. Sure. It's hard sure, to kind of even see them. Like when you're standing on them, looking yes. above, saying like, okay, where it's are they? It's all the same color. Everything's yeah. the same color. Yeah. You can't really identify where people, like where you're even going to put your feet. Until you get to the point. Until you get there. That corner, yeah. So you just sort of keep walking in front of you into whatever makes sense. Mm-hmm. And from where we started on the valley floor to the top, we were going to end up gaining about 600 feet 
of elevation and again over a decent number of switchbacks so thank god for that this is also our, like where we're like spotting is this a jones columbine is this it you know trying to figure it out because i think if i remember correctly becky was like it's a very small window for when they bloom and we may have missed it already that's um, right but i'd like to find it because i want to photograph it yeah. um yeah but we were seeing a lot of other yes. flowers along the yeah, way yeah 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 we were seeing paintbrush mm-hmm. we were seeing some more silky facilia mm-hmm. Yeah, there is some other stuff. Yeah, it was great. There's some other stuff, but if I mention it, it may um, spoil the Jeopardy that I've written for oh, this okay. episode. So great. I'm going to shut my mouth and you'll just have to wait until we get there, everybody. Okay, <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> Spoiler. This was still a relatively tough section, but we, the views are, you're able to look back and see the valley as you're going up for most of it. And it's really cool to be able to have this elevation perspective of where we were below. Like, we just were able to like have our own separate chats and like be able to like really get to know that person that we were hiking with a little bit better which was really cool like really I know cool I got you know talked so much about art with Cynthia and just like technique like watercolor technique and again just like a lot about her life and how she got out there and Cynthia's a realtor in the Kalispell area so I remember <laughs> her being like in like a kind of like a a jokey manner. Well, you know, if you're looking to buy a house out here. <laughs> oh, we'll definitely we'll call definitely Cynthia. call Cynthia. Yeah. Certainly. Yeah. What I thought was the most special about this particular trail in this moment was the three spectacular views. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Eventually it's like what? <laughs> so and I've never really gotten that before mm-hmm. anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Now as we're hiking up, Becky and Cynthia both say turn around and look behind you mm-hmm. so that you can see because that's Pegan Pass. Well that's, the Pegan Mountain is Pegan Mountain is yeah, in and, the back in the background. And this incredible view. Uh-huh. So that's view number one. Yeah. And you have to see that, take photographs of it from up there. Yeah. Because as you keep going, that view is going to disappear yeah. from, you know, behind you. So we saw that and we continued up the switchbacks, which I would say these switchbacks were certainly tough, but I would not even compare them to the day before. Oh, no. Or the Highline. Yeah. The hi- that the was, Overlook. Yeah. The, that was something else. So this was, this was certainly, you know, some uphill that like you know slowed me down for a bit yeah but we eventually caught up to you we did yeah as we get a little higher we also see it becomes a little less like a gravel pile and a little bit more green for a bit like you're kind of coming up the crest of a hill and there's these long bands of stone that are up there and we essentially this is where we get our education on what moraine is and how glaciers as they retreat kind of drag stone with them in these and essentially leave these long wakes of these like stone piles that end up being banded you know as we get closer to the top and reconvene again eventually that green goes away and we're back in this rock pile gravel pit area but you get to see all this you know as you're getting to the top like dusty was saying you get to see another view this view is of boulder valley which is kind of like a bonus view yeah that you get on this because basically we make our way up to the top of the switchbacks and then we have to curve over to the right Mm -hmm. as we curve over to the right Boulder Valley is off to the mm-hmm. left, and it's just into infinity. Yeah. This gorgeous, uh, another valley view, basically valley view with these peaks sweeping up to the right mm-hmm. and left. Mm-hmm. This is where we get some red. Oh yeah, uh, there yeah. was you know red, orange, brown in the peaks, uh, and also there were the gray peaks mm-hmm. over to the right, and then the red peaks over to the left. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was. Stunning. It's it's stunning in a way I've never experienced. Yeah. As we continue further up, we also see this giant Karen, I guess, at the top there. If it's not a giant Karen, it's just a giant pile of rock. Oh, it is a giant pile of rock. There There was a guy that came up, you know, there weren't that many people. There were a few people behind us on the switchbacks that had sort of like kind of caught up with us. And then I think they they didn't even make it to the top or if they did, they they turned around. But there was a guy that came up behind us seemingly out of nowhere had like shorts and a t-shirt on or i think it was even a cutoff shirt had a tote bag with him and not hiking shoes and he was like can you take my photo we did and then he was like okay and he turned right back around like he was was so quick i don't even remember this oh yeah it was i was like impressed by the fact that he had hiked with just that um and we talked a little bit about hiking preparedness after this encounter for sure and obviously to each your own but this is not a it's not a simple hike by no. any means. However, here's where things were looking up for me and my, you know, 
your lifestyle. Love, hate, tolerate, tolerate <laughs> of incline is uh, after this, there was no more incline that we were going to be doing. Wow. Everything was going to be decline. So we thought. Let's put this section of this hike up and around and down Sayu Pass mm-hmm. on the Karen Stone scale. So we're talking Sayu Bend. Mm-hmm. We're talking that part of the trail that led up us to Sayu Pass. Right. And, so yeah. this was in total 4.6 miles. Mm-hmm. Sayu Bend was 1.1. 1. 1. Mm-hmm. We turned left and we walked 1.5 to the fork. And then we turned right to head towards Sayu Pass. And it was two miles in total all the way through the valley and through the, the valley across the creek and up all the switchbacks to where we saw Boulder Valley and we um, saw that giant Karen. Mm-hmm. And that was two miles. So in yeah. total, that was 4.6. So this 4.6 miles, what would you put this on on the Karen Stone scale? I would say it is a solid seven for me. I feel like it was challenging but not anywhere beyond like a seven for me. Like I, I enjoyed the hell out of it. I thought it was a great trail. Part of me is like a six. Um, somewhere I'm going to say a six point five. I've never given a point five, so that's what I'm going to do. Six point five. I think this is a solid seven for me mm. because it's definitely on the incline. Uh, <laughs> it's between the moderate and difficult mm-hmm. world, right? Yeah. It's living in there. Yeah. I wouldn't like. I don't think it's nearly as tough as that Grinnell Glacier Overlook no. off of the High Line no. at all. No. In any way, no. this was way easier than it's that. It's just obviously a longer stretch than that. This is a know? longer stretch. And obviously, there, there are these switchbacks. The switchbacks are what they are, but they don't last for that long. And, um, and if you go this way, hopefully, that's the majority of the uphill that you're going to encounter. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give it a 7. Great. So that's 13.5 out of 20 Karen Stones. There we go. And let's end this episode the way we end all of our episodes with some Jeopardy-style trivia. Dusty, why don't you go first today? Great. Okay. So my category is called April Showers Bring May Flowers, but with a twist. Okay. Okay. So we've written a a similar category then, perhaps. Maybe, but I don't know. Okay. Okay, here we go. So... In this category, I've taken the phrase April showers bring May flowers Mm -hmm. and each answer contains a month and then a word, then the word brings Uh and then another month and another word. I got it. And those two blank words rhyme. Okay. So for instance, like flowers and showers rhymes. So here's an example. If you were to end up not doing well in the brackets during this month long basketball event in this year's third month. It could explain your melancholy in the fourth month. <laughs> what is March Madness brings April sadness? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Which is usually also my binge. I style. think your new drag name is April Sadness. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. There we go. Okay. For 100, this phrase might be uttered if you marched in the summer queer parades during this month and ended up with blistering sunburn in the next. What is June Pride brings July tan hide? <laughs> Ooh, th- close. What is June Pride brings July fried? Oh, there we go. Right. Okay. For 200. Also, I put these in chronological order to help you. For 200. This is the phrase we could say if the temperatures in this summer month were so intense that you were simply debilitated by it while starting school in the Northeast. I have written a kryptonite category and that's... Well, I got the first one. So I'm like, is August, is it August heat? Correct. Okay. Bring September. Debilitated. What brings September beat? Oh, you know what? I'll take it. Yeah. I was thinking September defeat. Okay. But I'll take it. Okay. Great. For 300. Okay. This phrase may be said if you were shopping for a costume of the grizzly or polar variety during this month so that you could create frights in the next. What is September bear brings October scare? That is correct. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, for 400. If my time in Provincetown has learned me anything. (laughs) You've not been there. (laughs) No, I haven't. I was just making a joke, but now the audience knows. Right. 
Maybe you can come soon. Maybe I can. For 400, perhaps this phrase might be used if your thankfulness during this holiday that glorifies colonization (laughs) changed your outlook, perspective, and demeanor in the following winter month. What does November Thanksgiving brings? No, no, no. Oh. No. Oh. Your thankfulness. Oh. No, 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 no. That wasn't a question. <laughs> Another word for what, gratitude. There you what go. is November gratitude brings December Perspe- attitude? There you go. For 400. <laughs> you got it. Beatitude. <laughs> <laughs> and for 500. This is the phrase you might say if elective facial plastic surgery to perhaps make one look younger was given to you as a present over the holidays and you scheduled the procedure right after the new year. What is December Botox brings January detox? <laughs> oh, that's great, but incorrect. We were looking for what is December gifts bring January lifts? Got it. <laughs> There you go. (laughs) (laughs) But seriously, we need to talk. (laughs) Great. Okay, great. That was a good one. Now for your category. Well, I didn't want to talk too much about wildflowers because this category is called wildflower generator. It's sort of like a before, during, and after, but not really. You're going to basically name an actual wildflower based off of the clues. I'm giving you clues though. Okay. Okay. So, all right. For 100. If you take this vernal season of renewal and new growth and combine it with how Belle is described in the title of the Disney film about her interactions with the brutish creature who keeps her captive, you'll get this white flower with pink stamen, which blooms two to four weeks after the snow melt and whose bulbs are early food for grizzly bears. What is spring beauty? That's correct. Look at you. You got it. Great. All right. So this is how this is going to go. Okay. You seem less than thrilled, but that's no. Okay. I'm excited. I really that was a category. really good. That was, <laughs> okay. Somebody's projecting. Okay. All right. For two hundred, if you take this, the absence of all color in art, or presence of all color in science, and add this, a large natural elevation of the Earth's surface rising rapidly from its surrounding area, and add this, an early term for a doctor or medicine person you'll get this urn or bell-shaped flower found in subalpine meadows. Are the first two words white mountain? That's correct. Okay, and then the last one is a word for a doctor or a nurse? An early term. An early term. For a doctor or a medicine person. What is a white mountain witch doctor? No. What is a white mountain healer? Oh, okay. Great. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. But a white mountain witch doctor. We could make that flower. We could make that happen. All right, for 300, if you take this, either the name of Allison Hannigan's character in Buffy the Vampire Slayer or the title of a 1980s fantasy film starring Warwick Davis and Val Kilmer, and add it to this, a slang term for marijuana, which could also describe sage, parsley, or basil, you'll get this pink flower found growing in sand or gravel near the edge of a river. What is Jenny Herb? (laughs) I don't know. What is Willow Herb? Oh, Willow. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. right. What is Jenny Herb? <laughs> Sorry. Clearly not a vamp- Buffy the Vampire guy. I didn't watch no. Buffy. No, I'm not a Buffy. Or a fan of the movie Willow, which is great. I think I saw it once. Yeah. Okay. For 400. If you take this, a northern region of the planet whose name means presence of bears, and add it to this, a term that means wolf or wolfish, or is also close to the last name of Harry Potter's teacher who also happens to be a werewolf, you get this purple flower which develops in stalks and whose flowers turn to seed pods once germinated. What is an arctic lupine? What is an arctic lupine? Yes, oh, very lupine. good. Okay, there you go. Great, great. You got it. And for 500, take this, what a rolling stone does not gather... And added to this, a place you might be sent for the summer as a kid that has hiking, tent sleeping, and other activities. And added to this, an atom or molecule with a net charge due to the loss or gain of one or more of its electrons. And you get this cushion plant with pink flowers that grows close to the ground where no trees can grow. This was a flower we talked about on the trail a lot because we saw a lot of it. 
what is a dirt camp compound? No. <laughs> Great. What does a Rolling Stone not gather? I don't know that phrase. You've never heard that? No. Sorry. Okay, so it, we what, didn't say that what in the grows song. on the north side of a tree? Typically in nature. On the north side? Yes. Honey, I don't know. Oh my gosh. We're going to have to wilderness school. <laughs> what is a moss campion? Oh, campion? Oh, yes. an ion. Yes. Oh, we did talk about moss campion yeah. the whole time. A rolling stone gathers no moss. I can't believe you've Wait, never heard moss that moss only grows on the north side of a tree? That's like the wives' tale. Yes. I didn't know that. Well. Now I know. Now you know. Now I know. And knowing is half the battle. <laughs> right. Moss camp. We, did t- we saw a ton of moss campion. We did. Oh, an ion. I got it. I get it. I get what you were doing. Who wrote a kryptonite category for who? <laughs> <laughs> This has been Gaze at the National Parks, the podcast, and we're here to remind you to hike early and hike often, and that adventure is always out there. Gaze at the National Parks was created and is hosted by us, Dustin Ballard, and Michael Ryan. To see images from this episode, follow our Instagram at Gaze at the National Parks. To contact us, email us at gazeatthenationalparks at gmail.com. And to find out more about the parks visited on this show, visit our website, gazeatthenationalparks.com. That's Gaze, G-A-Z-E. All original artwork featured on Instagram, on our website and in the gaze shop is by me michael ryan all original music was written by dave seaman performed by dave seaman mariella klinger and sean Slios. our music producer is skylar fort gang this episode was edited by me dustin ballard we would also like to acknowledge that while recording this episode that we are on the traditional and stolen lands of the lenape people also known as ocean county new jersey